Have you taken the time to unpack your career story and truly leverage those unique experiences that you have? This episode is brought to you by the Career Thrivers Do the Work course, an introspective and interactive course to help you really dig in to your past experiences and expertise to discover and leverage your unique value. Make sure you check out the course at bit.ly forward slash do the work course. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash do the work course and use the code Thrive Tribe for 25% off. Now let's get back to the show. I think if you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, well, I'll be really careful and I won't tell people what I think and I'll put all of my social media on, you know, private. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at the stage right now where I feel so strongly about getting people elected who will ultimately serve those who need it most. Um, I'm going to be loud and um, and continue to be mouthy and bold because there are people dying. This is the Career Thrivers Podcast. We're a tribe for people at a crossroads in your career, personal life, or in your business. My name is Brittany, and I spent 12 years climbing the ladder in corporate America until my mother's unexpected death. I can vividly remember returning to work and realizing that there was more that I wanted to contribute, that perhaps the life that I was building wasn't in alignment with my passion and purpose. I learned that resilience is less about bouncing back and more about how to thrive through ambiguity and transition. The aim of this podcast is to help us feel confident in our decisions, no matter which way we go at the crossroads. Let's thrive together. So welcome back to the Career Thrivers podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Cole, and I am so excited about our guest today. We have Courtney Rogers with us, who, Courtney, I just have to say, I just have to start out and just (laughs) put this out there. I love what you entered for your title as an unemployed badass. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. That's my new title. (laughs) I love it. it. And I'm excited to talk all about it. So a little bit about Courtney. She is a technology and marketing executive with more than a decade of experience leading brand building efforts for organizations across multiple industries. Most recently, she served as the director of Pathway Women's Business Center, which is a program that's powered by the SBA and provides training, mentoring, and business development opportunities for entrepreneurs at all stages of business. Shout out to Pathway and the Small business administration. Yes, I got you to be a mentor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm still loving it, even in this Good. new virtual setup. So thank you so much for that. Uh, prior to that, so Courtney has been a director of business and development and client experience at Cabbage Design, as well as a marketing coordinator for Bone McAllister Norton PLLC. She later served numerous clients in the healthcare, transportation, retail, and nonprofit space as a marketing consultant. Little known fact that you may or may not know about Courtney, but she is a U.S. Navy veteran, having served as an officer aboard the guided missile destroyer USS Grace Hopper after earning degrees in naval science and French from the University of Mississippi. She's played an active role in marketing in, in, in the marketing industry, excuse me, and her community throughout her career, serving as the past president of the National Chapter of the American Marketing 
Association, as well as running an inspiring campaign for the Tennessee State Legislature in 2016. Her campaign bid serves as the foundation of her ongoing commitment in motivating and recruiting women to run for public office. I love that. Cannot wait to talk about that. And this is probably my most favorite part of your bio, Courtney. (laughs) Cheeseburgers, wearing yoga pants without actually doing yoga, and is inspired by her 13-year-old daughter, Daly, to fight for those who need it most. Absolutely love it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I have been following you for a very long time, and I love watching your success. So it is an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate that. Well, we definitely have transition in common, as always. Is new for me. So I'm curious. I mean, I, I feel like there's so many angles that we can jump into. I, I'll just throw it to you. Tell us a little bit about your your story, where you're from, and kind of what your career transitions have been. Yeah. So I was born in San Diego, California. My dad uh, was a career naval officer. So I have lived all over the country. Mm-hmm. I grew up mostly, I would say we split most of our time between Florida and Northern Virginia. Uh, and graduated from high school in Northern Virginia and uh, decided to go to the University of Mississippi, mostly because no one from my school, from my high school had ever gone there. And I was quite the rebel. I was like, oh, I'm going to do something no one's done before. So I'm going to leave Virginia and go to Mississippi for college. Um, But it worked out really well because my dad ended up retiring from the Navy and mom and dad moved back to Franklin, Tennessee, which is where they're both from. Okay. So um, that was about a four-hour drive from from college. So that was nice to have family somewhat close by, definitely closer than Northern Virginia. And that's also where I decided to join ROTC, the Reserve Officer Training Corps. It's basically a way to be commissioned as uh, an officer when you graduate from college. So um, that was what got me started on that adventure. Did you always know that you would be in the Navy or was that kind of something? That yeah. Yeah. I had, I'd always been interested. Of course, my dad was in the Navy. So I thought I loved it. I loved visiting him on the ships. I loved um, going to see the blue angels. I wanted to be a fighter pilot when I was younger. It turns out wow. I'm, I'm too short. So not necessarily my standing height, but my sitting height. I am too short to be a pilot. So uh, I ended up having to go the the route of surface warfare officer, which is a fancy word for being on ships. Um, But yeah, I I was pretty sure that's the direction I wanted to go. And then it worked out really well that I got to go to college and have a pretty normal experience of being a college kid, got, you know, had way too much fun my freshman year. Uh, Luckily, uh, once I joined ROTC, I had to get good grades or else I would have gotten kicked out. So I'll say that that kept me on track and made sure that I graduated in four years, which a lot of people do not do, especially at Ole Miss. (laughs) So um, and then, yeah, I graduated in 2000 and I was immediately commissioned as a naval officer. So when a lot of folks were out looking for jobs at a young age, you know, just graduated from college, had to go back and live with mom and dad. I was getting trained to be the undersea warfare officer and the Tomahawk watch officer on a guided missile destroyer. And wow. because I, yeah, I did, I did really well in college. So I did get to pick uh, where I wanted to be stationed and I picked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, because why not? That's yeah, amazing. It was magical. It was absolutely amazing. 
Wow. So what brought you back to Nashville? So I was in the military for about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. I actually met um, my now ex-husband, but my daughter's father, when he was in the Coast Guard, active duty Coast Guard in um, Hawaii as well. We got married. So I got out of the Navy to get married. Uh, we were married for about five years. And then when Claire, my daughter, was about 18 months old, uh, we happily divorced. And I always say happily divorced because it really has turned out to be exactly what was supposed to happen. Um, mm -hmm. But we got a divorce and I figured I would come home and home at the time and is now, you know, Franklin, Tennessee, where my mom and dad and brother were. But I thought, well, I'll probably stay for a little while and then I'll go on you know, my next big adventure. And that was because my whole life I had moved. So I had moved every two years with my dad being in the Navy. Then um, I was in the Navy and then I married a guy in the Coast Guard. So it was just very natural to constantly having the military <laughs> tell me what to do with my life. And uh, But I got here and very quickly realized I loved it. And I wanted to put roots down and it made a lot of sense. My parents are now fully retired here. The schools are amazing in Williamson County. Um, I, I was lucky enough to buy a condo with my VA loan. Um, so I can, you know, I could afford to live here. It's definitely not the most affordable place to live, but I bought at a time when it, when it was, mm -hmm. and I live, you know, we live in a little condo. Um, but it's, it's just a great place to live. And then a lot of my jobs have been in Nashville. So I jokingly say, you know, I'm 18 miles south of Nashville, uh, but it takes, you know, sometimes an hour or so to get there. Not, not now. I don't know. I haven't left my house. Right, right. <laughs> now that we're in the midst of COVID, maybe not, but pre-COVID. Right. Pre-COVID, yeah. it was a solid hour to get, to get into Nashville, but it's a nice balance having a small town living in Franklin and then having a lot of my professional life, uh, having been in Nashville. Sure. Sure. You should, you shared something that I know I can definitely relate to listeners probably can too, in terms of getting to a point. And I remember this visit vividly. I don't know that I've shared it yet on the podcast, but I will. Um, I had to make a tough career decision right as I was preparing to get married. So probably about maybe seven months prior to our wedding, I had this amazing promotional opportunity to move to New York. And I tell my husband all the time, had I been a single woman, I would have said yes and not thought twice about it, <laughs> but I was getting married and wow. I ended up turning down the role and it totally shifted my career. Granted, um, I was grateful to, to have the opportunity to be a marketer again with the same company years later, but like it took a lot of work. It was a lot of tears <laughs> and a lot of just like, you know, emotional tax. Sure. Um, tell us a little bit about, I guess, your experience with that as it relates to, you know, personal decisions, especially relative to women, marriage, relationships, and also being ambitious? Yeah. So I actually got out of the Navy to get married. I, uh, I He kind of presented me with an ultimatum and it was like, I'm not going to marry you unless you get out. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And at the time I was, you know, 23, 24, still really young. Also, my family's from the South and that's kind of I'm air quoting here. What you do is, you you know, you got to find that husband. Um, right. And I really thought like, oh, OK, well, I'll get out and I'll be a wife because that's what I that's what I'd always thought that I wanted to do. And I always say that I'm glad I did because it led to having my daughter who has completely changed my life for the absolute better and best. 
But I really did. um, I had about a five year gap in a resume because I was following my husband who was active duty Coast Guard around and it was just tough to find a full time job. And so I had jobs, but not careers. And then when I did decide to leave that marriage and come back to Franklin, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I'd kind of lost myself for the time that I was married. I'd become a mom, which I was really loving, but um, I had stayed home with her for you know, the, for at least, well, we moved here when she was a year and a half. So I just didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I had to find a job to pay my bills and feed my baby, right? I mean, there was just like, this is what you have to do. And at the time, my brother had started a company um, on his own, and he was doing branding and digital marketing. And this was in 2009, before everybody was on Facebook and before everybody was on Twitter. So really, he was an early adapter to this. And he said, how about you come work with me and just do business development and help me get new clients? And I was like, sure, what do you do? And I had no idea what a Mac computer was. I I am not kidding you. I had been in such this bubble between being yeah. a naval officer where you don't, you're not working in that world, right? And you're you're doing really important things, but it has nothing to do with the internet or a computer that's personal property. Um, but he taught me a lot. I really became best friends with Google, the Google, as I like to say. I, and I realized, <laughs> yeah, everything. I don't know how to do this. Let me look it up on YouTube. So I did that for about a year and a half and it was really uh, a wonderful experience. It was a good reminder for me that I can do anything I set my mind to. And I kind of, I needed that refresher. I really did after having kind of lost myself for a while. And that led me to the opportunity of working at Bone McAllister Norton, a law firm in Nashville. I had, I had actually done a presentation for the Nashville Business Journal on using social media as a biz dev tool, i.e. digitally stalking people, which sounded like a joke, but I mean, I got a lot, I just got to know people, found them on the internet and then, and I would take it off, you know, take it offline in real life and all those things. But, um, someone, one of the attorneys from Bone McAllister was also speaking at that same event and came up to me afterwards and said, we're at the point now where we're big enough where I think we need a marketing person. Would you be interested? And I was like, heck yeah. So I did that for a couple of years, really enjoyed it. Uh, but that opportunity led me into the technology world, which was my role at Cabbage. And then Cabbage actually got bought out by Atiba, which was another technology company. Um, and then from there, I decided I wanted to see what I could do on my own and did about two and a half years of consulting, marketing consulting, on my own uh, and absolutely loved it, but then had the opportunity at Pathway Women's Business Center. So it really is every opportunity set me up for the next one. And I learned so much at each of those positions that I'm very, very glad that I had those those opportunities. Though they, they're all around two, two and a half years, three years at one, I think that was really the right amount of time to learn what I needed to learn and then grow into the next position. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that so many can relate to that because you kind of start to, at least I do kind of get that itch around two years anyway, where you're like, okay, what's the next challenge? I've kind of had time to, you know, work in this capacity, master this role. And I think it's so interesting with your story that you, the dots connect 
and it seems disjointed, but as you move forward, you're like, oh, that's why I learned. You know, that's why I was working in a branding capacity with my brother to prepare me for this opportunity. Absolutely. And the skills that I learned as a biz dev person working for my brother went and were helpful in every area. The people that I met, I think the biggest thing was the people that I met everywhere I went. I continue to stay engaged with them and keep those relationships going. And and it wasn't to get something from them. That's not why I meet people and connect with people. But ultimately, um, especially with my role at Pathway Women's Business Center, I wanted to really recruit a, a whole new group of mentors And so many people that I knew from the tech world and the marketing world and just these, even the political world, these people, mostly women, but there were a couple of guys in there too, were just incredible. And I was like, these are the people that we need empowering these entrepreneurs that we're helping every day. So that was a perfect example of how all my worlds collided into a beautiful, really a beautiful explosion. Is that... Sure. Well, we'll just say a beautiful explosion, a powerful entrepreneurial explosion. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I love that you, you know, you were an entrepreneur, like you started your own business, you were doing consulting, and that led you to the pathway um, opportunity. So kind of what are your thoughts, if there's someone listening that may be interested in entrepreneurship, kind of what are your thoughts relative to entrepreneurship for women? If you have the itch, do it. And I have learned that there are people who are really great at it. And then there are people who are really not great at it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that awesome at it. I love the work that I was doing. I missed the team aspect and working in a larger team. And that's where I really thrive. Um, but helping women and minority business owners are were the people that we really focused on helping. We would help anybody who walked through our doors, but that's really what we were there for at Pathway. I mean, the the people that showed up with that burning desire to be an entrepreneur, I was like, let's do this. It's not as hard as people want to make it seem. There are some very specific things you need to do. And you can Google, how do I set up a business in the state of wherever you live? Some Mm -hmm. states make it easier than others. There's a fee behind it, depending on what type of, if you want to be a sole proprietor or an LLC. But once you get that structure in place and you understand, okay, you need to pay some taxes. uh, That was one thing that I kind of messed up one year. I didn't do the whole quarterly taxes. And then I had a huge tax bill at the end, which just hurt my budget, hurt my savings account. Um, But really... It's if you want to start your own business, I say do it. Right now, it seems like it's so difficult. The economy that we're living in at this very day is going to change by the minute. I think we're in for a, a rough, definitely few months, probably couple of years, but that mm-hmm. shouldn't stop somebody from starting their own company if they think they have something to offer. The biggest thing I would tell people, and this is what we would say to people, this is what mentors, you know, what we would guide our mentors to say is, what problem are you solving by starting this company? If you can answer that question effectively with a really strong answer, then I say go for it. Or if you're just really rich and you have tons of money to just start all these companies, you know, go for it too. But that's, that's not the type of folks that I was working with. You know, we're talking with people wanted to create their own legacy and also create create their own wealth and create generational wealth. 
So they might have been that first entrepreneur in their family, but then they've got that legacy to pass down to their to their kids and to their grandkids. So I say do it. There are so many resources out there. Right now, the SBA is extremely overwhelmed with everyone needing small business loans, but they do have a really great website. Their business, it's their business guide. If you just Google SBA business guide, start to finish, how do I start a business? It's it's wonderful. Perfect. And I'll be sure to drop that. One of the things that we're doing with this podcast, I'm all about information's great, inspiration's great, insights are great, but if you don't implement anything, it's just great information. So we're starting a vault and putting resources in the vault for listeners to access. So that is one that I'll definitely make sure to include in the vault. I know that that I have the actual like booklet here, but I'll find the PDF and add that to the vault because yes, it's such, such a great resource. It really is. I would have people show up and I still have people reach out to me and say, I've got a business idea. I'm going to write a business plan. And I'm all, you've got to have a business plan, especially if you want to get access to capital, but ultimately just start it. Uh, The minimal viable product is kind of the way that I'm living my life. Like start something, just go out there, get that first meeting, get that first client, build that first website, whatever it is, start it and then see what happens. I also love to talk to people about the power of failure and um, how important it is to fail. And it's, it's a cliche, you know, if you don't, you'll never know what you, what you don't try, or you'll never know if it was supposed to, to be something or not. But women, especially, we're afraid to fail. We're afraid to not be perfect. We're afraid to not start something until it's absolutely perfect. Yeah. And that's not how we're going to succeed. Just get out there, get out there, do it. And if you fall, get back up and try again. I'm really thankful for a lot of my failures. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely agree with you. And I love the qualifier that you shared in terms of just, you know, listeners that may be interested in starting a business, like not asking yourself, you know, and I have this conversation with clients all the time. It's like, I'm frustrated with work for whatever reason. I think I'm going to start a business. Well, (laughs) start a business around what? Like, what is that problem, you know, that that you're looking to start? What's the problem that you're solving and what's your value proposition? So what makes you different? So, I mean, okay, you want to be the next Apple or the the next Google or the next Netflix or whatever it is. Not saying you can't be, but how are you going to differentiate yourself from all of the competition out there? Absolutely. And and now, like you said, is a good time because many of those organizations that, that you mentioned, Netflix at the top of that list, started in the last recession. So, yes. <laughs> didn't think that, oh my goodness, because we're in, you know, COVID, it's not BC before COVID when things were on the up and up that we can't start, you know, a business, you you can, and you can thrive, um, you know, amidst the economy and amidst the current health crisis. Yeah, you can. And I'll be really honest. I think I'm torn here because I think that we do have extra time on our hands, right? I mean, there we're not even allowed to do some of the things that would keep us otherwise occupied. And, and at first I was trying to fill every minute with productive stuff Yeah. and I'm kind of chilling out right now, mm-hmm. you know, like I was even really pushing my daughter to stay on a schedule for school. And now I'm like, you know, sleep in, yeah. you know, read some books. She's still doing some schoolwork, but it's more like she's going to kind of guide herself through doing different things and I have read a couple of books in the past week and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love reading books. I forgot. I don't think I have read a book the way that I'm consuming books since before I became a mom. Wow. 
So almost, yeah, almost 13 years. But I'm like, oh, this feels so good to sit here quietly and read a book. Now, I am privileged to be able to do that. I can pay my bills. I have a house. We have food. I realize I'm coming from a place. uh, Not everybody can do this, but I just had to chill out. I had to just, just let myself be. And I'm feeling much, much better. I love that. It's such a, it's such a balancing act because you can feel like, especially those of us who are high D or overachievers, it's like free time is wasted time. It's not (laughs) like rest truly. It it accelerates you. fuels you in a way that puts you on a different playing field. So when you get back to working, I mean, you're so much more effective and efficient. So I love that. I love that. Any, um, what, what are you reading? Any, any books right now that, um, that you're currently reading? So everybody was talking about, I'm, I'm totally late to the game on the, where the crawdads sing. Did you, have you heard about that book? Yeah. It's it's just a delightful read. And I think everybody read it like a year ago. Everyone was talking about it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go get this book. Um, and then I just read a really interesting one. Um, oh, it's called Such a Fun Age. Hmm. Just I had a uh, neighbor left, left it on the porch for me because she knew I was looking to read. Um, I'm trying to read very light things. I also have a whole bookshelf of like, why women win. I'm sitting here looking at it. Um, I have the the Hillary Rodham Clinton book, What Happened, which I've read once that I should probably read again. I have a whole biography of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's probably going to be the next one that I dive into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of, you have to tell us, so how did you get into politics? We, we, we definitely need to know that story. <laughs> because I have a big mouth on Twitter. <laughs> because I'm real bold. Uh, So my daughter had just started kindergarten in Williamson County, and we had a bit of drama on our local school board. And some folks had come in and they ousted uh, ousted existing school board reps, and they were not there for the right reasons. They were there for highly political reasons. They weren't there for our kids, for our teachers, for our families. And I started realizing this is completely wrong. And I, um, I really want what's best for my daughter. And she was just starting her schooling journey here in Williamson County. I was like, I'm not putting up with this for 12 more years. Nope. So, (laughs) so uh, I got involved with a small group of mostly women who were standing up for our public schools and got rid of the people that needed to be, they needed to leave. Mm -hmm. And um, that caught the attention of a woman who was helping to recruit women in the year 2016 to run for office across the state of Tennessee. She uh, was the chief of staff, still is the chief of staff for one of the congressmen in Nashville, Jim Cooper. She followed me on Twitter and sent me a DM and was like, hey, can I call you? And I said, sure. And so she called me and explained who she was and that my name had has, is on the top of the list of women in Williamson County to run for state representative. And I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, do you, first of all, the person who is my state representative at the time was a 16 year incumbent who went on to be speaker of the house. And I, and I said, I don't know how to do this. I know nothing about politics except local um, I'm not qualified for this. I don't have a law degree. I had, I'm a single mom. How would I do this? Whole list of excuses came out. She listened. And then she said, Courtney, if you were a man, you would have already said yes. Yep. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, you know me so well. It's the same way in the traditional, you know, work environment. It's like you see the job posting and there are 20 boxes and you're and as a woman, you check 17. You're like, but those three those last three pass. men are like, I got two of those boxes. I'm going in. I'm open. <laughs> Absolutely. And good for them. Right. And let's, that was one of those, like, we need to learn from them and do more of that. So it took me a couple of days to ultimately make the decision. uh, And I, I decided to run in April of 16. There were 23 of us and none of us won. Uh, In fact, most of us got annihilated. Uh, I call it, you know, was one of my epic failures. I didn't expect to win. But what I did do was let this long-term incumbent who was not doing anything for his constituents, except for the constituents who believed everything he said. I mean, he had his, you know, his people, Um, but we scared him and we scared quite a few people who needed to, to know that there were, there are people who are willing to run for these seats and we're going to fight for these seats. And so two of us ran in Williamson County in 2016. And then in 2018, we had 19. So um, Holly McCall is the other woman who ran with me in 16. We, we started the blue wave in Williamson County. And now she went on to be the chair of the Williamson County Democratic Party. She has since stepped down. And now I'm the treasurer of the Williamson County Democratic Party, still recruiting people to run, training these people to run. So there's nothing worse than stepping up to do something and then no one's there to tell you what to do. I kind of ran into that a little bit in 16. I figured it out and I found smart people to help me, but I said, no matter what, I will help people who, who want to run for local office. And so that's, um, that's what I've been doing, spending a lot of my volunteer hours doing that. Nice. Nice. That's fantastic. I'm curious, how do you balance your political position, particularly when it's not the majority in terms of your community with professional opportunities? Because sometimes I find that people, I think the traditional thought, particularly in corporate, which is my background, it's like, you don't talk about politics here. You don't, you know, you don't just don't do it. It's just not safe. Um, what, What are your thoughts on that? So I will be really honest with you. When I first started, when I ran for office, I was working for myself and it didn't really, it didn't phase anybody I was working with, Mm -hmm. uh, which was great. It says that, you know, I I chose great clients that I wanted to work with. I think if you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, I'll be really careful and I won't tell people what I think and I'll put all of my social media on, you know, private. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at the stage right now where I feel so strongly about getting people elected who will ultimately serve those who need it most. Um, I'm going to be loud and, um, and continue to be mouthy and bold because there are people dying. Uh, I'm not, this is not to make me feel better. This is not because I just want to say I won something or this is because, um, you know, in the state of Tennessee, we've refused to expand Medicaid and people are dying because of this. Uh, And I think, you know, it may not have been such dire times in the past, though it always has been for some people, right? I mean, there's always a group of people who, who need us to continue to fight for them. Mm -hmm. And I, I will be that person. Um, If someone won't hire me because of that, I'm going to have to be okay with it because I'm not changing. And I don't mean that to sound stubborn or anything like that, but 
this is this is who I am, and this is ultimately the life that I live. And ha- I'm going to continue to fight. I'll run for office again one day. But in the yes, I ha- I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can say that. I'm like, should I ask? Should I not ask? <laughs> yeah, I will. I actually have a um, a tattoo on my arm. This is a symbol of women's suffrage. So this is a jail door. And the first woman who was jailed fighting for our right to vote, they actually made this into a lapel pin. And I wore that every day when I ran for office. And I said, win or lose, I'm going to get this tattooed on my body. I feel that strongly about how important it is for us to vote. Um, Yeah, I'll run again. I don't know for what yet. I think I have a plan, but so far all my plans have gone all over the place. So for now, I'm training and helping and inspiring and donating time and and a little bit of money when I can. But um, yeah, I kind of got over the whole, if you don't agree with my politics, I'll be quiet. I'm I'm not going to do that. So I I have to know that. I mean, I have to know that as I am looking for people to work with, whether it be if I start my own thing again and bring on clients, or if a company is going to hire me, I'm not locking down my Twitter anymore. I love it. I love it. We do not have to agree agree to work together. We don't have to agree to have conversation. Matter of fact, it's better when we don't. <laughs> that's what diversity actually means. It just means difference. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great perspective. Yeah. Okay. And I and I just I think I think the time to be quiet is over. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it just comes back to because lives are at stake. We see that every single day. Well, Courtney, this has been amazing. We always wrap up our podcast really talking about community and building relationships because that's what we're about here. We believe things get done through other people. So tell us a little bit about in terms of just your approach to, I'm using my air quotes here, networking and just some of the lifeline leaders that have have helped to shape your career, kind of who comes to mind and how did you cultivate those relationships? I've been really lucky in, especially in Nashville and in Williamson County, to be connected to kind of the first wave of technology, like the early adapters to technology. Mm -hmm. Um, By accident, probably I moved here and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I would go to these different conferences, the bar camps and the podcasts or pod camps and all these different things. Um, One of my favorite networkers is Dave Delaney. I'm not sure if you know him. Um, I met him through the through the tech world, and he is a public speaker now and does a lot of training for Google, and he's got an awesome newsletter. It's the Be Nice newsletter, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I learned a lot from him, and that was sit down with people and have conversations with them when they ask. I asked a lot of people when I moved here, hi, can you meet me? Can you talk with me? I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? And a lot of people said yes. So mm-hmm. I want to continue to do that as people ask for advice or guidance or whatever that may be. I will say something I have stopped doing that I recommend people stop doing is saying things like, hey, can I, well, we can't go get coffee right now, but pretend we're allowed to leave our house, right? <laughs> hey, can, I'd love to pick your brain. Can I buy you a coffee? Yes, I see. Yes, I see your face. <laughs> I'm happy to help you. Just tell me what you need from me. Mm-hmm. Hey, Courtney, I see that you're connected to Brittany on LinkedIn. I really need to talk to her about A, B, C, or D. Would you feel comfortable introducing us? Sure, absolutely. Because sometimes, honestly, I'm going to say no because there 
unfortunately, are people out there who are just in it for themselves. They're going to try to sell you something and I'm not networking with those people. Mm-hmm. Um, mentorship, I think, is also very, very important. So providing, and it doesn't have to be a formal mentorship program. It could just be, I'm going to give someone who's coming up through the ranks some mm-hmm. some help and some advice and some connections and making those email connections. So Brittany, I really would love for you to meet Sally. She is just, she's just graduated from college. I think she would be an incredible resource for you. Sally, please meet Brittany. She's the person I was talking about. Best of luck. Please connect. Those are the types of things that I will do all day long. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is understand what your ask is. When you're asking someone for help, just what do you need help with? Know what you want. <laughs> know what you want. Make a specific ask. Uh, you cannot pick my brain. Uh, I need all of the pieces of my brain to keep me sane. Really? And I right. And I charge hundred dollars an hour as a consultant. So yeah. yeah, you know, I'll give you 10, 15 minutes of my time. Um, but then after that, uh, you know, uh, you're probably going to need to understand that I will bill for my time. That doesn't include if you're a student. That doesn't include if you're in transition. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there's very specific people that I think I was put on this earth to help. And I'm a connector and a networker and I love it. Um, but yeah, if you don't know what you want from me, I, I'm not going to be able to read your mind. So yeah, be specific, especially for young women, young, all women. You don't even have to be young. Make your ass know what you want and be specific about it. And don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to reach out and ask somebody to connect you with someone because that could be a pivotal, pivotal point in your life. Absolutely. And I appreciate you being that for me, because I know when I moved back here to Nashville from New York, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Nashville. I'm a native, but I hadn't been here in six years and it felt like an entirely new place. Yes. <laughs> you and I'm like, Oh, okay. And you were, you know, you connected me like, Hey, I didn't even know about pathway until you shared it with me. And so, um, and you were really great about making email connections. So thank you. Absolutely. That's what, that is how we help more women become badasses, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. So how can we stay connected with you? Well, if you like to follow political Twitter, uh, I'm on Twitter at at Courtney Rogers spelled C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. Um, and then that's probably it. I keep my Facebook pretty private just for my fam. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have my old political website is still up. I was like, I'm keeping that URL. I'm going to go ahead and keep that website up for, you know, when I run again, CourtneyRogers.com. But I would say the best way to, to get in touch with me is, is follow me on Twitter and connect with me there. Um, yeah, I even keep my Instagram on private. So Twitter is my one outlet. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Love it. How, is there anything that we can do as far as being a community of listeners to support you? I'm really doing great right now. I'll be honest with you. I'm in a place of I'm going to spend at least the next month at home with my daughter. Um, no, I'm really good. I, you know, I will be looking for a job. I've got some great prospects out there. Um, I'll be really honest with you and my boyfriend, he would never do this. Um, we've been together, um, over two years. He's, um, an amazing human. He's a PR executive and he was let go in the fall and with a restructuring of a big agency, which we're starting to see agencies getting smaller and smaller. He's a hell of a PR guy. If anyone needs an expert in PR, I would love to introduce you to him and send you his resume because he will not ask for help. (laughs) So good thing he's with me. 
Got that covered. <laughs> yep. I'm like, I'll market you. Yeah. Anybody, anybody who needs help in PR, let me know. I'll send him your way. He's a, an amazing guy. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And at thank the end, you. every podcast would love your perspective on what does being a thriver mean to you? Oh, being a thriver is no matter where you are, no matter what situation you're in, believing in yourself so that you can continue to grow, but also continue to help the people who need it most. And it sometimes you're thriving in like no soil, no water, no sun, but you have that love and belief in yourself to continue to grow. Yeah. So, so good. Thank you so much, Courtney. We'll be following you on Twitter and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Brittany. I really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were able to learn something that you can implement to truly level up. Listen, these are our first few episodes and it would mean so much to have you subscribe, rate, and review the Career Thrivers podcast. Don't forget to share with a friend and until next time, let's thrive together. Take care.